This Front Row Rugby episode appeared originally on YouTube. Today you are going to get a front row seat to the memorable Springbok career of John Allen. John, welcome to Front Row Rugby. Thank you, Peter. It's lovely to be part of it. Now, just before we begin our conversation, here's a look at today's trivia question. In 2021, Jock Ninaba became Springbok coach. Who was his first test match against? Now, if you know the answer to the question, you can put it in the comment section down below. We'll also find out if John knows the answer, but we'll do that at the end of our conversation. John, I want to start uh, in the early 1990s. You were playing for Scotland. You represented them at the World Cup in 1991. I know that you didn't play at the 1995 Rugby World Cup, but obviously you were in the country. Give me a sense of how you experienced the differences in the way the two tournaments were organized. 91, obviously, uh, it was my Scotland days, and um, it was taking place in, in the UK and in France. So you obviously had to travel. So the good part from the Scotland perspective is that we had most of our games at Murrayfield. So obviously with the passionate Scottish crowd, having your, your home games or having your World Cup games at your home stadium helped Scotland uh, tremendously, which is probably why we... We got through into the semi-final and um, unfortunately lost by a drop kick uh, to Rob Andrews in, in, the, in the semi-final. Um, and it was a wonderful experience um, being part of that. As you know, it hadn't been long since World Cups had taken place. You know, 87 was the first one. So this was the second one after that. So there was a few learning curves that had to be done. But ultimately, it was run very successfully. And um, yeah, and it was it was a great experience. And in the... Even the you know the difference between the modern World Cups and uh, and uh, the World Cups in that era is that after the game we had a lot of time spent with whoever we were playing with, and a lot of beers were shared and a lot of stories were told and and, and you make friends quite um, you know are still have friends from that day um, till currently and 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 that's probably the difference in the modern World Cup they don't interact straight after the game. You know, they have obviously got other plans and they have to do some planning and go through tapes and stats and all that, whereas we didn't do that. So the 95 World Cup, going back to that, so I was actually part of the 95 Springbok squad. Um, and what uh, um, few people don't know uh, or do know is that, um, that when Dalton got sent off, I got called to come and replace him. But unfortunately... Um, well, I got called into a meeting with Ian McIntosh and um, uh, Mac said to me, you're going to get a call from 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 Kitch Christie. So they called me and this was a Friday afternoon and um, Kitch said to me, John, I've booked your plane and you your ticket for um, to come up because you're going to take, uh, I want you to be part of the squad for the next game, which was the following weekend in the quarterfinal against Samoa. And uh, I said to Kitch, fantastic, thank you very much. Uh, and, and the reason why they wanted me part of it, because I had been in the, in, the, in the bigger squad, I knew all the codes and I knew all the moves and the likes of that. So, and I was at the time, I was probably the most experienced hooker. So I said to him, that's wonderful news, um, but what time is training on Saturday? He told me 11 o'clock. I said, well, I'll get on the early flight and I'll be there for training. He says, what do you mean? I booked your ticket now. I said, well, unfortunately, I'm actually on my way to play in, a, in the Murray Cup final for my club. And I'm the captain of my club. And we're playing against Collegians, which is our biggest rival. 
And I said to him, Kitch, you would know that because you coached my club previously and you know how the rivalry between Glenwood Old Boys and Durban Collegians are. Anyway, the, uh, he said to me, he wasn't happy at all, but he said, okay, that's fine. I'll see you in the morning. Anyway, Max said to me when I put the phone down, John, are you stupid? This is a World Cup. And I said to Mac, yes, I understand it's a World Cup and I will be there in the morning. But my club is what, who made me. I came from club rugby system. And Glenwood, I went to Glenwood School and Glenwood always is close to my heart. And I'm the captain. And this is three o'clock, the kickoff six. We won't find a replacement in the short space of time. So I have to play the game. So anyway, I played the game and swaced the brain Funny enough, was actually my coach at the time. He'd just finished playing and he was coaching Glenwood Old Boys. And no one knew about the phone call that I received from Kitch. And um, anyway, only Mac Ian McIntosh knew. So I played the game and 10 minutes before the end, I feel my twinge in my calf. So I go to the side of the field and I say to Swayce, I think he must put the reserve on. I didn't want to tell him why. Well, I told him I've got a twinge in my calf. So he just said to me, no, no, no. In those days, DP, he gets the DP out and he rubs my calf and he says, no, 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 you've got to go back on because it's the score is 9-0 um, and we need you on the field for the last 10 minutes. So I ran back onto the field and five minutes before the end, I got a pass around the touchline and I sprinted down the touchline and I snapped my calf. So my calf muscle was snapped. Anyway, caught, carried off the field Ian McIntosh comes down to my uh, to the training, uh, um, to the change room, and he goes ballistic and he says, okay, we have to phone Kitchen, tell him that you're now unavailable. So I had to phone Kitchen. That wasn't a pleasant phone call, and I won't tell you the, uh, what he told me, but it, you can understand. But ultimately, I'm now out of the World Cup as well. But at the same time, so people say to me, would you ever have changed your decision again? Uh, and I probably wouldn't have changed my decision because, I mean, had I played, then potentially I could have been, uh, I would have won a gold medal in, in in the 95 World Cup and I would have had a semi-final in, in, the, in the 91 World Cup for two different countries. But at the end of the day, that didn't happen. And if you, if you worry about what happens in the past, then you'll never go forward. But it also gave the opportunity for Chris Rousseau to come in and create him and give him the opportunity to be a World Cup winner and things like that. And Chris is a wonderful guy. And and I'm very happy that he got that opportunity and he won the World Cup. As far as the organization goes, I mean, a good friend of mine, Craig Jamison, ran the 95 World Cup. And he was, came in 91 to see how the World Cup was run in 91 and had quite a few conversations with him. So I think the 95 World Cup in South Africa, what made it special because it was here in South Africa, South Africa had their home games like I did with Scotland. They had their home games and home soil, which ultimately helps you through the rounds and with the, with the home crowd fans and the fact that South Africa won and Nelson Mandela was there, made it that much more special. And it was uh, um, brought the whole country together, as you know. And yeah, so it was a, it was a fantastic time. Even though I was on crutches at the game, I still had a fantastic time. That is an incredible story, John. Um, quite amazing. So let's go back before 95, but after 91. You made your Springbok debut in a test match off the bench against Australia. Talk to me about that day. So it was uh, Uli Schmidt was, was the number one. And Uli and I actually were in the army together. And we used to play against one, one another in the army. And um, 
Yeah, so we, we we knew each other very well. Um, I respected Uli. I thought he was a fantastic hooker, a great rugby player, and it was just in the yeah. Ultimately, he's a he's a competitor. In those days, you had to be injured before you got onto the field because I knew he ain't and he was tough. He he doesn't get injured too often, but that particular day he got injured and he came off the field, and it was a fantastic experience to actually to actually run on at the time, and then. Ultimately, when Uli finished after that tour, then then I became the number one and I took over because my dream was to run out the tunnel. First, every team that I play for, that's why people say, why do you run so fast out the tunnel? Because that's what I dream. I dreamt when I played schoolboy, first team running out the tunnel. I dreamt when I played Sharks, running out the tunnel. When I played Scotland, running out the tunnel. And now, finally, my dream... Because it was my father's dream that I played for Scotland, and my dream growing up was to play for South Africa. And finally, when you when I ran out the tunnel, I'd ultimately known that I've that I've achieved something that I've worked hard for. So, John, as you say, you were then the starting hooker for the Springboks. I want to go into 1994. Now, we started the international season with a two-test series at home against England. We got hammered in the first test in Pretoria, and then the following week, I know Ian Mack made quite a few changes. But it was almost as if it was the other way around. We then dished out the hiding to the English at Newlands in Cape Town. What made the difference? A funny story. Ian Mack told us when he left the field at Loftus, one of the one of the crowd shouts down into the tunnel and says, Macintosh, Macintosh, save us. So Mack looked up and thought, oh, I can't believe I've got a friendly face in Loftus Fairsfield. When he looked at the guy, the guy says, Razan. <laughs> That's what he said to Mac in there. So yeah, there was there was obviously I think the reason we lost is we were complacent. We um England had had struggled uh, um against the, some of the provincial teams prior to the tests. And um they they I think they'd even lost. Uh, I think even when the Sharks played them, we, we might have beaten them. I can't remember. My memories doesn't serve me that well nowadays. But um, the, the main reason of the change around was, was we knew we, we were very disappointing at at, at uh, Loftus. And, and you would think it would have helped us because uh, Loftus being at altitude should actually help us as opposed to England. And um, now we're going down to, to Newlands and we're playing at sea level. It would potentially have help them. And I think that's also got into our brains. We thought the hardest game would be at Loftus. I mean, would be at uh, Cape Town Stadium, Newlands and not at Loftus. Um, so when we did lose, obviously, there was a lot being said and everyone's head was on the line. I mean, I'll never forget that training session. Louis Late was there. They were all there. All the selectors were there. And you sat down and, and you thought, oh, here it comes. Man. We're all in for the chop here. And then when you when they announce your name, it was like phew, sob relief because then at least you can have redemption. You can try and redeem what happened at, at Loftus. And I think, you know, I'll never forget that Friday. I mean, that Thursday when the Fords got together, and and between ourselves, we decided we got hammered at at, at Loftus. Now we're the ones going to dish out the hammering. In fact, our goal is not to just beat them, but beat them by the score bigger margin than we lost at uh, Loftus. So we went into the game with a completely different mindset. We went in there to get stuck in from the word go. And we even had this um, the, uh, a new rucking technique that we had been working on to get, because they, they they were slowing the ball down the whole time. So we wanted to get them 
out of the way. And and uh, I think that first ruck, I think three of the English uh, players came rolling out the other side. They 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 shirts at the back torn off, completely torn off, and stud marks down their backs. Uh, and 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 when we looked at that, that's said to that's the way we're going to treat you. And I think they they um, I think they they were then taken aback at the aggression and 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 the determination of our team at that particular moment. And I think that was the reason for the turnaround. And then after that, we went to New Zealand. How tough was that tour? Any tour to New Zealand is tough, no matter. Uh, the biggest thing that I always joke about when you go to New Zealand, it's it's funny how you can never find a scrum machine in New Zealand. I think what they do is uh, um, they lock them up in the sheds because they don't want to give you that extra bit of training against uh, um, on on a scrum machine. So they 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 hardcore. They want to win at at, at all costs, and and you, anyone you play in New Zealand will always be difficult. But uh, yeah, and it's a long tour as well. Those days we toured for for a relatively long period, and and the weather also sometimes isn't as kind. I mean, the game in Rotorua, I think you couldn't determine who who was the, the, the who was the home team and who was the away team because of the you were just covered in mud, and that. But um, yeah, it was as I said, all tours to New Zealand are hard. I've had Tian Strauss and Ian McIntosh on the show previously, and both of them have told me that they believe that we could have won that series because we we only lost the the first two tests fairly narrowly, especially the second one, and then the third one was obviously a draw. What do you think? Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, I mean, I think the margin between the three tests was something like six or five points um, over a three-test series. I mean, that's virtually nothing. That's one try difference. Uh, um, the, the first game, no doubt, uh, um, we, we we knew that we had them, their, their, their backs against the wall, especially in the forwards. But handling errors let us down. Um, and, and in the second test, it was basically, it was more even game. And, and again, we made, we made some, uh, I think we, some critical mistakes in, 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 Moments when when had we not had that not happened we would have beaten them but when you know the funny thing is when you leave on both those tests when we left the field it's as if you say we lost that game they didn't beat us we lost that was in in both those games and then on the third game how we didn't win that I'll never know um, but we did we drew it but we were the possession territory everything was was all in our favour and um, yeah and and I suppose. If if you look back in your career and you think, would you have changed something, or what would if something went differently, what would you like to be? It would have been that test series. I I think we could have won that test series three 0 and that would have certainly helped us um, going forward. And not many people beat New Zealand three 0 in a in a test series. Certainly not. So, John, um, you've told me the 1995 story. Uh, so let's go into 1996 now when Andre Markroff became the Springbok coach. I've heard that there was a bit of a rift in the camp, mostly around money. Obviously, the game had now become professional. The 1995 players were on lucrative contracts compared to what the other guys were on. What can you tell me about that? It was a, it was a bad time, actually. Um, it was uh, them and us, basically... Um, you know, I'm, I'm the, for example, the starting hooker, and James Dalton's on the bench, but he, he gets paid four times more than I do. So, um, you know, just it's just uh, leaves a sour taste in, in, in your 
in, in your mouth. And then you had the, the other issues around Francois Pino was the World Cup captain, but he's not even in the team. He got dropped and uh, Gary Tashman is the captain. But again, Gary gets paid per game and doesn't get a contract and things. So, so the, you know, it's, it's just not a, it's not a good business model to work off when you, when you, in, in, you know, from a business perspective, never mind what happens on the rugby field. And there was also animosity on the rugby field because I think the 26 players that played in the World Cup, probably only half of them were playing now in 96. So, and, and, yeah, and, and it, as I said, it was them and us type scenario. Um, you had no chance. Um, I mean, we still produced results on the field, but that's because we had a talented group um, overall. But, um, yeah, wasn't a good time. And then after the Tri-Nations, you were pretty much out of the picture. How disappointed were you that your test career ended there? Yeah, no, funny enough, I got a... Mark Roth had called me in and said to me that... Um, Basically, there's too many English-speaking people in the tight five. So if we don't win on Saturday, you're out. So I said, oh, dear, that's terrible. Maybe I should learn to speak Afrikaans more. So anyway, um, yeah, it was a weird thing to say. Um, and he even mentioned Bruderbond or not happy. I said, who's the Bruderbond? I don't know who they are. Anyway, the, the bottom line is um, he... At least he did give me a warning. We had to beat New Zealand in 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 loft at Newlands, otherwise I was out. We were actually beating them 19-10. And I thought, I'm just saved my bacon here. And there's 10 minutes before the end. And then Oss went off the field. Um Bronson got carried off the field. And then uh and then actually New Zealand played sublime rugby. It's the first time I've ever seen um continuity. You know, continuity only started about then where, where we were keeping the ball in phases, but it would normally break down. But that was the game I probably, I'll never, I mean, I, I've never done so many tackles in the last 10 minutes in my entire life because they kept the ball over 12, 15, 16 phases and they scored a try at the, at the very end to win the game. And um, they just, we lost because they played sublime rugby at the time. Anyway, I was out after that. John, you mentioned Mark Croft there. We've spoken a little bit about Mac. Those were the two coaches that you played under uh, in terms of international rugby for the Springboks. Uh, what would you say, in your experience, are the differences between the two men and their coaching philosophies? Well, the one's Afrikaans and the other one's English, for one. So uh, they do have different philosophies in the way they, they, they think. But I think the difference is Mac was open to ideas, ideas and he would actually listen to, to players. Whereas Andre, I think, was more for Krach. He was the, the old school type uh, coach, forward domination. You know, I remember I was doing 150 scrums before playing a game up in uh, in Free State, before playing Australia that week. And when a whole front row was out the next day, had to get fizzier. They were fizzier for two days after that because of the amount of scrums that we were doing against a, a Free State, two Free state teams that were taking turns one would do five scrums the other one would do five and we carry on it and we run around the pole and back and scrum where they stay and wait for us i mean it was brutal and um you know to me that was that was old school that's uh yeah sure half if we did half those scrums we'd have still been a powerful um scrumming unit 
So, John, who was your toughest opponent? I'd say Sean Fitzpatrick was my and uh, internationally Sean Fitzpatrick, locally Uli Schmidt. Another thing that I ask all of my guests is to share a funny moment from their time with the Springboks with us. Can you do that? Funny moment with the Springboks. Uh, uh, I might be dropping myself into something here, but uh, no, there was many, there was many uh, um, funny moments. Uh, I think uh, the one was uh, um, uh, we, we, myself and Steve Atherton, uh, when we toured New Zealand, it was the beginning of the tour. And uh, we missed the bus to go to the welcome part, the welcome um, event, welcome the event where, where where they do their Maori dances and they and they give us the sword and they welcome us to the shores of New Zealand. And, and um, so so that the night before, we obviously arriving in the country, so we we, we had a little bit of a party and uh, our alarm didn't go off. So the bus left without us. And we got downstairs and we missed the bus and we were like 20 minutes behind the bus. And I knew if we don't get ahead of that bus, we are being sent to the next plane home. So best we get, make a plan. So I asked the concierge, who's your, who's the fastest driver here in, in Hamilton? Because we need to get to Rotorua. Uh, um, so I said, no, his, his, his brother is a fast driver or whatever. Can he bring his car? So he brought his car and Steve Atherton and I jumped in the car and we said, we'll pay you double as long as you get that bus, which has got a 20-minute lead and in an hour, and just over an hour journey. So he had to go foot flat. Anyway, five minutes before reaching Road to Rio, we overtook the bus. And then we were hiding under the, 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 the on the floors of the car so that they could no one could see us in there. Uh, from the bus, look down and look in. And then as we got to, to um, road to ahead of them, we jumped out and we hid behind the bush. And as the team got out the bus, because what happens is they march and then all the Maori um, dressed in their, in their traditional outfits, they march towards them. So it's like you have two groups marching together and we're hiding in the middle. And as we got closer, we, we just snuck out in our number ones into the group and I snuck up to our, 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 our manager, Yanni Engelbrecht, who was in charge of discipline, and he would have been the one to send us packing if, if we weren't there. And as he went to receive the the, the the spear and that the welcoming spear, I turned around to him and I said, hey, well, Yanni, yo, this is fantastic. And he looked at me, and he looked at me, and he couldn't quite understand it because he knew I wasn't on the bus, but how come I'm here? But anyway, with all the commotion and the ceremony that was going on, he forgot even to ask us while we went on the bus. So we managed to stay in the squad and play the first game and carry on playing all the other games. But we came close. That's a great story, John. Uh, so what else uh, are you doing? What are you up to these days? So I run a company called My World. Uh, it's a loyalty company uh, based in Joburg. It's actually an international company. So I look after South Africa. It's in 55 countries worldwide. Probably the biggest loyalty program in Europe, but relatively um, relatively small in South Africa with 200, well, not small, 250,000 members. But yeah, that's what keeps me busy nowadays. So it's a technology company. And ultimately, that's what I studied is actually a, I'm a computer programmer, believe it or not, although I haven't touched programming for a very, very long time. But that's what I'm doing now. 
Sounds good. So, John, before we finish off, let's take a look at the trivia question again from earlier. In 2021, Jock Nenaber became Springbok coach. Who was his first test match against? Do you know the answer, John? I'm going to guess. In fact, if I was a clever boy, I'd have Googled that while you're asking me questions. But clearly, I've had too many hits to my head, and I didn't think about that. But I think it was against Wales. Not a bad guess. Uh, the correct answer is, in fact, Georgia. Oh, they had their friendlies before Wales. Yeah, that's right, yeah. That's right, Georgia. And then after that was the British and Irish Lions, which, of course, we won, uh, thankfully. Um, John, let me say it was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby today. An absolute pleasure. And I hope that we can have you on again in the future. No problem. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Last time on Front Row Rugby, I had former Springbok hardman Audrey Geldenace on the show. You can go and watch that. It's appearing on the screen right now. Next time, we'll have 1995 Rugby World Cup winner Henny LaRue here. This Front Row Rugby episode appeared originally on YouTube. If you enjoyed this content, please consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. See you next time.